All right, welcome to another episode of the Fuzz Club. Today we are talking about album of the year contender, I think. <laughs> Hail, uh, Hail the Void, Memento Mori. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. We have some. We have a new guest on this one, so let's do uh, some quick introductions and we'll get started. Ryan, you want to lead us off? Sure, I'm Ryan from High Desert Queen and uh, Lick of My Spoon Productions. Todd, you. Uh, me? I'm Todd of Ripple Music. Our uh, big guest today. Our big guest. Yeah. Bucky. I'm Bucky with uh, <laughs> Doom Charts, and and I kind of work with Todd on his blog, The Ripple Effect, here and there. Chris, Chris from the Bangkoks. Good to be here. Eddie. I'm Eddie from Lords of the Opium Church and The Endless. All right. So, Todd, thank you so much for being here. CEO of Ripple Music, the label that put out this record. So, appreciate you being here, giving us some insight on the band, the record, anything else you have for us. So, uh, thank you before we get started. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, so, tell us a little bit about your involvement with this band. I know it was a Blasco band, and Blasco apparently has great taste because... Two other people from this podcast were Blasco choices as well. <laughs> um, but also, right. you know, there's all really great stuff that, that comes out and it just happens to be tied to his name. So how was this presented to you and, and what was appealing about this band before any music was even played from Memento Morai? Yeah, it's it's kind of funny because I'm, I'm looking at Ryan and Eddie and I getting confused which record we're talking about. <laughs> There's so many good musicians here. And Ox, who knows what, what's going to happen with Ox and Ripple in the future. <laughs> um, there you go. So can you guys hear me okay? Is the delay for you? Yeah. You're good. You're good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the way things happened with Blasco was really just kind of a fun, organic thing because – I was always impressed by this guy who has been on stages in, in front of a hundred thousand people, you know, playing with Ozzy or with Zombie or or even with Danzig, you know. And here he is, you know, traveling the world with Ozzy, and yet he still was was so rooted in the music that was happening in the underground today. And he had had his own podcast going a few times in the past, and. And he and I had just communicated back and forth on certain things. And then one day I just called him out of the blue and I said, um, I call him uh, Sir Blasco at the time. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, you know, and actually I remember this conversation really well. I was with my wife and we're walking around at Home Depot when he calls me back of all things. And of course I'm and take the call from Blasco when he could write. <laughs> so the fact that I'm at Home Depot, I'm taking the call from Blasco. And I just asked him, I said, you know, you, you love this stuff so much. Uh, I would love to find some way to get you involved. You know, is there anything that we could do together where you can give some of your knowledge and your years of experience and tutelage to some of the bands that are in the up and coming and, and just get you involved? I was originally thinking of doing a series of releases called Blasco Presents. Uh, you know, High Desert Queen, Glasgow Presents, Lords of the Opium Church, etc. Um, and he actually ran with that. He got really excited. 
And he wanted to be more involved than just having a series kind of named after him. And that's where the idea came that he would be a little bit more involved in the production end or the mentoring end of these bands. And then he and I sat down and talked about the certain bands that we wanted to work with. And of course, you, you know some of the releases that we've done so far. And Hail the Void was one of the first ones that we had both talked about. I mean, obviously their debut album had already come out. It was the album of the year, debut of the year on the, the first Doomies Awards, uh, which Blasco was instrumental in getting off the ground as well. And uh, and it's it's an it's an amazing record. I mean, the, the first record kind of leaves you speechless when you first hear it because it's such a a combination of just floor rattlingly heavy, but still really melodic and just an achy beautiful vocals. So Hail the Void was definitely the the first bands that we had discussed that we were going to bring on, um, and then you know the the rest is kind of history. Yeah, that's that's awesome to hear. And and one of the other things that I liked so much about his choices has been that they're all kind of wildly different a little bit. I mean, High Desert Queen doesn't really sound like Lords of the Opium Church and Hail the Void sounds like no one really that I know of. And what was the other one? Holy Death Trio, I think, is is the other band that he had a hand in. Uh, yeah, one of Holy Death Trio, Mother Iron Court. Um, yeah. We just they put out the Crooked so, Whispers. So different from each other and and hail the void i mean is just it's i don't know i mean someone's got a good ear and and todd that's that's you know you have a great ear for it obviously picking the bands that you do and and blasco obviously has an ear for it because some of these bands that have come up and hail the void in particular just you know wild i i take no credit for any release that's ever been put out on ripple <laughs> you know, I, I'm just the luckiest guy in the world. You know, I get, uh, I get, I, I like a band's music and assign them and they turn in an album, which is scores beyond anything I could have imagined. I take absolutely no credit for, for any of that. Um, guys like Bucky, Bucky has sent me a bunch of bands, which uh, we signed for, for a while when Buck was really busy in the scene, he would send me 20 bands a month check these guys out, check these guys out, check these guys out. And I'm all, Bucky, go away. Bucky, go away. Bucky, go away. <laughs> um, but the truth is, you know, 90% of the time, Bucky was right. You know, Bucky's got a great ear. So I, don't, I just, I'm just fortunate. I just, I mean, who would have expected High Desert Queen to turn in the album, which is just a monster, mm -hmm. right? And then on top of Thank that, you. you get a guy like Ryan. He's not, he can't hear any of it. Any, I don't want him. <laughs> right, his head's going to start spinning beyond the size of the little rectangle that he's in. But I mean, <laughs> this guy is the type of guy who takes his own ideas and runs with it, like he's Ripple Fest Texas, which no credit for. It's all Ryan and, and his his ideas. But that's the sort of thing that's happened with Ripple. It's just I'm I'm the fortunate bearer of the people's genius. That's a good spot and, to be in. <laughs> and look at the records Ripple's already put out this year alone yeah. it's, already. It's I mean, there's going to be a lot of contenders, uh, and it's already it's only April right now yeah. of like for albums of the year. They're, they're going to have a lot of cat of. of yeah. All right, so <laughs> let's get into Hail the Void specifically. Uh, this album, Memento Mori, I I made mention at the at the start that I think it's an album of the year contender already, and we're only in April as mentioned. 
Uh, I've seen a lot of similar sentiments uh, online. So what is it about this album? Or, you know, if anyone here feels differently, um, you know, what did we think about this album? Bucky, you start on that. Yeah, man, I I think you're absolutely right. At this point in the year, this is hands down probably the album of the year in this this niche scene of like doom charts and all the all of all the groups we pay attention to um it's a kind of band that like what todd said back with their debut that you first heard that album and you just knew something they had a little something extra going on like it's just so heavy but so melodic and the vocals the vocals are the shining star in yeah. moments and then and then the other moments it's like the crushing riffs come in and you're like whoa shit it's like a relentless or unrelenting kind of just like pummeling you with with just energy and and beauty i mean it's i've said i've told we talked about it on the on the doom charts countdown i think last month right when you were on yeah and uh and it's to me this new album like the vocals are impeccable, like lots of uh, comparisons to like Dax Riggs of Acid Bath and like that kind of, it, it's a variable vocal tone. It's like, it goes in and out high and low and just has that power and brute force. So I, I, I remember really hearing their last album when it came out and liking it, but I don't remember anything quite like this i guess i need to go back and listen to it again and just kind of compare the two but i remember being like yeah that's good i like it and this one i was like holy shit like i i i don't see a lot of like heavy doom kind of like this with the amount of like emotion and like power behind it like this i mean this is like really emotional music and you can feel it and i don't always get that same sense in a lot of like doom slower heavier sludgier stuff and this album, I again, I got to go back and listen to their their first album or something. But I don't remember getting that quite that same feeling. I think they really stepped it up, and that's saying something because again, like I, I remember liking them, you know, before this. But well, I know when I heard the first record, I could not believe it was a debut. I I, I am I heard uh, Parasite, and that song blew me away, and I I immediately went like started searching for I'm going to, I want to hear these other, their other records. And I couldn't believe it was their debut. I was like, hope, like, like Bucky said right away, you knew, okay, this band's about to put themselves on the map. Cause this isn't, this is really impressive music for a debut. They were not, they weren't, I don't, they don't sound like a band trying to be in a genre or a mold. I, I think they're just, they're just writing what comes out and it's so emotional. Um, and I think a lot of that is like, like, I think it's highlighted a lot by the vocals, how, how dynamic uh, the vocals are. Um, but I, I think that the, musically, it's just as much, just as dynamic as the vocals, uh, especially on this record. You hear it mm-hmm. on this new record. Uh, I know it's cliche. We say it every episode. They've grown up some or matured some on the second album. But uh, they, this, this is a band, in my opinion, writing music for the music not caring about the genre or if it sounds like doom or if it sounds like stoner or if it sounds like metal. Um, and those are the best kind of records because this record takes you on a complete journey. It's not, it's not one BPM the whole way through. It, it takes you all over the place. And 
that's what people like us, all of us, that's what we like. You know, we listen to records. We don't listen to songs on, on the mix, right? This is a record to be listened to. And that's why, uh, to reiterate what both you and Bucky have said, this is a very strong, it's, it's the album of the year right now, for sure. I, I think so. Yeah. I, it, it'd be hard for me to think of something that even quite comes close. And I, I vote on the doom charts. There's been plenty of amazing albums so far this year, you know, and stuff that I really enjoyed and stuff that I, I voted for, but man, this one, I, I it's just been in, in heavy rotation for me since it came out. And since those first singles came out, I've, I've been listening to them. So yeah, this it's is hard the, for me to imagine anything else. Uh, this is the first time I've heard this band when, when you guys suggested this album, and I was hooked right away, like especially with the vocals, the way he he draws out his notes, like and keeps it like melodic, and then he gets really harsh with it, and and the guitar solos are insane. Like I'm not usually like mm-hmm. big long guitar solos, but like when he does them, the way he does them with the, the passion and just the way he bends the notes and everything, it just fills it up really good. Fellow whole, Canadian band as well, Eddie. Yeah, they're just next door in the next province. Yeah, yeah. hoping they come. And the production value on this record is insane. Uh, I, I was really impressed with how big it sounds. Like, it just sounds really, really, really big. And uh, we know that that's not always easy to do. I mean, you can have, you know, some some albums are ruined when it goes to production or, or mastering or something, right? But, but uh, I think they have a good ear and they had good direction and they picked the right spot because this record just sounds massive. Uh, first record sounded great, but th- there is a noticeable difference in production value, in my opinion, with this record. Uh, music just as powerful, but production value was top notch. Yeah. So Todd, I know you're a little partial, but uh, how did you feel when you first heard this record come <laughs> across your desk? Well, I have, I actually have a, a funny story about that. And I think you guys will really appreciate this. Um, when the record first came across my desk, I downloaded it to my computer and went off to do life. And I came back to my computer X number of days slash weeks later and see this folder uh, with music in it. The folder wasn't labeled and none of the songs and had who this was. So I immediately sent something in for either submission to the level or submission. And so I put on it and started playing it. And from the very first note to the very first song, I was just, holy fuck, what is this? And I had no way of knowing who the band was or how I can get contact with them. So I thought it was something that got sent in and I would never know who it was. <laughs> and I was just going, no, this is this is too good. I gotta figure out who this is. The way for me to know it was an empty folder on my desktop. And along the way, I don't know, maybe around the fourth song, I figured it out. <laughs> and I just, got this already, okay, we're good, we're good. <laughs> Yeah, thank God, right? Thank God. But imagine you go to rival and get dropped on you, and you have no idea who it is. Oh, that's yeah. that's probably the funniest story I'll ever tell about the record that comes in Ripple because I just 
And the guys know this. I told them also. I said, listen, if I if I hadn't already signed you when I heard this, I would have signed you. <laughs> yeah. Which is a very flattering thing to hear, right? So I'm sure they yeah. loved it. I bet. I'd agree, too. I don't know. I was gone for a few seconds. There. Yeah. Vocalist has a, a really impressive range and uh, and dynamic uh, ability. So I was really blown away by that. <laughs> yeah, this, this kind of keys off of what Eddie was just saying. And that is, you know, so many times the environment where a band is, is so indispensable to music that they create. It's like Sabbath, you know, coming from post-war, destroyed, industrial Birmingham, you know, really infused the sound that they created. And with this album, with Hail the Void coming from British Columbia, um, I don't know about you, but when I hear it, I'm, I can easily be lost in the woods, shrouded in the British Columbian fog or the rain. And it just has that sort of desolate yearning to me that I think of being out in the, in the mountains uh, on a rainy day in British Columbia. Mm. Totally. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. I, I I can hear that too. The the, the dark, damp, like cold. You, you can you can hear it in this record, and I I, I it's a testament to them. Yeah. I like I said I th I think they just write what they feel in the moment. I don't think they're trying mm. to not. Of course, they were trying to make a good record, but it was they were just being themselves, and I think it I think their environment it plays a big role in that. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of really good bands that that are on the Ripple label from Canada. There's a lot of good bands from up there. These guys are from Victoria, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Have you guys ever been there? Yeah. I have. I it's know. it's yeah. It's beautiful. Great place. It's beautiful. Yeah, the whole island it's is. Beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful place. The only problem about them being in Victoria. It's been very hard to get them to Ripple Fest. It's been a it's been a challenge. I've, I've tried two it's, years in a row now. We're going to shoot for next year. An isolated spot, quite removed yeah. from a lot of stuff. Unfortunately, for a band. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it, it kind of shows in the music, right? I think it, 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 it plays a role. Exactly. Yeah, I think that the the isolation comes through. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, it's kind of it, kind of like that. The Pacific Northwest bands have that kind of gloomy kind of atmosphere Absolutely. to it. This is similar. I mean, and and the album artwork on both albums goes right along Killer. with that same with that same kind of concept. Real kind of mysterious, dark, and kind of sinister in a way. Like like the album cover psychedelic. I love this album cover a lot. Yeah. yeah so awesome. uh, that's a decent enough segue. Um, Welder Wings is the artist behind this album cover, uh, and it's actually a artistic couple from Spain. Uh, two people, I believe, that make up Welder Wings, uh, and they did this album cover, which is cool. No name, no album title, nothing on it. It's uh, it's very cool. I, and I have a few other images here from their profile. And since we've done this cool. show. Since we've done this show, we've had a couple albums like this where there's no title, no writing. It's just, just yeah. clean, and and it's it kind of adds a little bit of that 
solitude we were talking about that that yeah. darkness that 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 they're kind of isol that isolation i think it's really amazing yeah the this yeah, well self-titled was the same so yeah, much exactly. of, uh, of this art could be album covers. I mean, it, I scrolled to their Instagram for quite a while. If anyone wants to check it out, and it's just like <laughs> it's just a, a, oh, wow. a madhouse of like p- possible album covers. It's really impressive. Damn, I think I know what I'll be doing for a while wow. after the show. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Wing, it's pretty awesome. This one, this one might be my favorite. I would love to. That's I would love to make an album cool. just so I could use this for the album cover. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Side project time. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I did love the uh, the album art though. That's why I had to look them up. But it 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 it's so perfect. I mean, we've talked about this on the podcast so many times that when the artwork works with the music, like you just know it. And there's so many bands that we've talked about on here that you just go like, this album cover nails it and for this band and this album being so like powerful and emotional and dark all at this same time with kind of like this beautiful voice and and these different elements kind of going on at the same time and then you see that album cover that's dark but there's flowers and it i don't know just nailed it it kind of it almost kind of seems like there's some sort of concept behind their band name and how they're they're both the album covers have this this somewhat of a void in like the face of the, of the, right. of the person or whatever the figure is. And then like there has to be some sort of concept behind their, their madness here. Yeah. It has a very concept album almost feel. I mean, it kind of, it will forget concept album that the, the band is almost like, like you just said, it's yeah. like a whole concept of what they're doing is, they have a good grasp of what they're doing, and that's that's clear in their music. But I think in in everything in general, they're either really, really, really good at all the facets, or they get they get they take really good direction because uh, they've made some really good choices on that stuff for sure. Yeah. What uh, does anyone know? Like the album title, Memento Mori. Like, if is the meaning behind that, or what that's translated? I I didn't. It, I don't it, ever pay attention like, to that stuff. To roughly, don't forget that you have to die is kind of like a rough translation and it's it's been used a few times in recent yeah. years i think we talked about this a little mm-hmm. bit on that Duke charts podcast uh, like lamb of god in their album or a song or something memento yeah mori and and this one but it, it's something like yeah. don't forget that you need to die or you have to die or something like that wow. more precious. i think that in in rome the capuchin order of monks has the bone church um, have you guys ever been to the Bone Church in Rome? I know the band. I have actually. It's... Last, last, yeah. yeah. That's, a good, that's a good ripple band. So, but yeah, last, I've been there. It's great. So, so you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And and I think that the, the Memento Mori is essentially the, the theme of the Bone Church because the entire concept of creating the rooms of the bones of the dead monks was that reminder that that life is fleeting and, and to remind you that death awaits all of us mm-hmm. um, more in a way that you live while you're still alive than you're looking for the death. And I think that's where Memento Mori comes from. Yeah. It just it makes, makes the album that much more dark. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 and, and just, you know, from, from my end, the album came to me fully formed, but the guys had the art, they did it all. 
Oh wow, that's, interesting. That's impressive. Yeah. It it it's a perfect name, artwork, all that kind of stuff for this album, and that's what I think makes it such an interesting album and such a well-made album and such a again contender, you know, for album of the year, top five or whatever. Is that that it, it has all that like darkness and desperation in it, but there is kind of like this beautiful element to it, like that, like don't forget to live while you're here because you'll die. And there's, you know, the flowers on the cover and there's kind of all these like uplifting elements too in this like super dark package. I mean, I was kind of like listening to the lyrics a little bit more today and I couldn't find the lyrics like on their band camp or anything like that. But there's plenty of lyrics that are like straight up, like take my gun and shoot me in the head or something like it's like very dark and bleak. It's very like to the point. And there's this real, real darkness to it at the same time feeling like this is such a, uh, there is a message here. There, There is this like beautifulness to it that's not just like dark for the sake of dark. Like there's, there's a point I, to it. I was, I yeah. was uh, noticed the same thing. I, I can't remember what track it was, either High and Rising or Serpent South. And I, High and Rising. I, I, I was, chorus, I was, I was listening and I'm like, I went to go look on Bandcamp, you know, sometimes the lyrics are there or wherever. And I, I'm like, I wanted to follow along because I heard that first lyric, that line come out. And I was like, holy shit, that is like intense. Yeah. And yeah. I, there's some intensity to some of these. Yeah. These lyrics. No, it was, it was, it was great. Yeah. So, and that, I, that kind of goes in. I know we always end up talking about our favorite track, but that, that high and rising track for me was, I, you know me, I love a good chorus I can sing to. And that, that yeah. chorus, I love it, man. Well, that's, that's the other uh, thing about this album is that so they, cool. the the catchiness, the the accessibility of this album is not lost in this like dark package. Like, there's still plenty right. of uh, stuff to like remember and like you know sing to or whatever. It's still in this great package that is, you know, there's something there for for everybody. You know, it, it's not just this like abrasive album. It's it's quite the opposite of abrasive. In fact, I think. Mm -hmm. For sure. And one thing I tried. One thing I tried to look up too is is, and it's hard to find you know, information on on these this band, of course. But like, I I'm pretty sure maybe maybe Todd knows uh, that they. I don't think they had a full line. I know they didn't have a full lineup change, but I think there was there was a change in the band. At least I know at one point when I had them, I had them coming last year to Ripple Fest, but I think they made a change. May have been at drums, or I I I, I don't remember specifically. But there was something that didn't allow them to come last year, uh, and then this year just the travel from Canada to all the way to Texas is brutal. Um, but um, I wonder if it that was on the recording at all. If there was like a, a lineup change on the on the actual album or not? I, I tried to look that up because I was curious to know. Mm. I don't know if anybody um, knows. The the lineup didn't change from the time we signed them. Okay, yeah, I couldn't remember what happened i i feel like i remember i know i remember talking to someone about it but you know it looks like the i'm looking at pictures and everyone looks the same so i guess it's the same the same group of, group of peeps yeah i'm now working right now to get them, yeah I'm, I'm working right now to try and get them down into america we're going to do a west coast swing um, i'm working to set up a ripple fest in seattle uh and then portland then Eugene, get Ripple Fest going in San, San Francisco, then Los Angeles and San Diego. And we're going to pair them up awesome. with uh, another British Columbian band, La Chinga, 
and then coming down from Portland will be um, Viral Tyrant, whose record's coming out pretty soon with us. They're, they're produced by uh, Rob Wong of Witch Mountain and mastered by Tad Doyle of Tad. So it's a pretty monstrous sounding album. And uh, once I start getting that together, you guys will hear from me. We'll get some of you out to San Francisco. <laughs> I, I love that La Chinga record. I love that La Chinga. They're, they're, and I, in fact, I was just talking to my, my buddies in, my buddies in Sasquatch, and they just played that, uh, that festival up there, the Electric Highway. And that was the one yeah, yeah. band that Riggs, Riggs came to me and goes, have you seen La Chinga? I was like, no. He's like, holy shit. They, he, they, he was floored by him. And coming from him, I mean, he's seen them all. That was, that was really impressed. He was really impressed. Dude, the, the next record is, is leveled up again. Yeah. Just as you're talking about just leveling up. This one was a lot of fun for me. I know we're not talking about it, so I won't get into it much. But the band came in with like 18 songs and just gave it to me in Blasco and said, help us make a record here. So it was a slightly different experience than the Hail the Void, where it was so conceptually realized upon presentation. With La Chinga, Blasco and I had been involved with every single step from song arrangements to song structure to order to artwork. So just two different ways of working with bands. Todd, when did, awesome. you, when did they record this album, Hail the Void? Do you know? It... Um, the masters came to me, I think, around April, May of last year. Okay, wasn't sure how long they sat on it. You know, some people have kind of held back on their albums for a little while and stuff. But no, I think it was just it was just moving along. You know, the problem with final production now is I still budget eight months into our schedule. Yeah. So, regrettably, I can get an album in you know April. You're not going to get it until December, January. Um, Ryan, you guys were one of the first ones on the label who got hit by that, right? Oh, that was right away. Right away. That's we, right, we with, right with you guys. And, then, yeah. and the whole thing. Yeah, because we were one of the first ones that had to push and push and yeah. push it back the yeah. date that we had. I think it was your out. record specifically that, that was that one. Because uh, I had yeah. always built yeah. <laughs> I'd always built a four-month window of lead-in time for all of vinyl production, even before. Just because it usually took two and a half months. That gave me turnaround time, problems and troubleshooting. So we were protected for a little while, but your album was when the protection dropped out. And we went from, because you were like a June release, a July release, I think, right? Was, I think yeah. the June release came in on time, and then the July release came in in like January of the next year. Right. We, yeah. we, we released it digitally in October, and then like the vinyls came in like, March yeah. or something, you know. So yeah. It was mess. But, yeah, but that that's interesting though that I wonder how long if they, if they had if they turned it in, I wonder how long they had worked on it. I, I, I'm always I always like to know what time of year it was when a band's in the studio or when they're creating it, the music. It, if this is a it probably was winter album or yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, with, with, with this particular record, too, I, I I did sit on this one longer than I normally would because. I didn't want to put it out at the end of November or December because then we wouldn't be talking about it as a potential album of the year candidate because right. by December, you guys already figured it all out. So I, I wanted to wait. Uh, and in fact, in a perfect world, I think, yeah, no, I, I probably, I probably sat on that an extra two months so I can bump the release date back. 
you know, that's interesting though. Like I, I you know, we were, uh, we're always thinking about, was this the, a product of another lockdown or something, you know, there's been a, so, much, so much music we've talked about on this show that it turns out to be that way. And I'm always interested to always think about that. Cause the, yeah. I think the, like, like we talked about with environment, right. We, we were a product of our environment, the kind of music we write, but also what state of the world we're in too. That's mm-hmm. why there's been, I think so much incredibly good music. So interesting. So I, I hate no, that's to actually speak. a really interesting thought. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Because since they're on an island, I don't know if they were locked down to right. the island even. I don't know if BC allowed travel or not. So they might have been isolated beyond our thoughts of isolation. That's an interesting thought. Right. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it sure it sure feels and sounds like a, a, a quarantine album, but you know, it, they, might, say it is. they might just be that good at, at, at creating an album, you know, that, with that, that feeling. <laughs> yeah. I, I hate to just ask if anyone has any favorite songs. It always seems very subjective, but was there anything that really stood out to anyone um, in particular on this album? We talked about a couple of already, Rising. but High and Rising grabbed grab me just because the chorus. High and Rising. Right away. I, yeah. I was, I was, a, that was a big one for me. I, I, they're all great, but for whatever reason, that one stands out. That's the one I notice when I'm, when the record's off, and I'm just going about my business, and I'm walking, you know, at, at work and walk down the hall or something. I'm singing that song, so that's obviously the one that sticks with me. I like gold I think, right that. Uh, yeah, Serpent South. I was Serpent I was going to say South. the next name, Eddie. Uh, Serpent South and and Goldwater. I think were were two of my two of my favorites probably. I like the guitar I work so on. Sure, guitar work is, is that Goldwater song for sure. I it's kind of interesting. Like the I noticed or I picked up on it at least the very first track. It's it's kind of that intro, just pure chaos and like yeah. gnarly fuzz going on, and then it leads right into writing on the wall, which is almost seamless. So like it's the same track, yeah. and then the I album been. ends the way the album ends with the void is like just such a subtle, all of a sudden, like almost as if you just died, like you took your last breath. And And like, so that the the, the first and last song. Yeah. Like the first and last, like it's a great, like just flows really well. has that like beginning and end. It brings it back home. And yeah, I mean, in between, it's like, like you said, the dynamic range of all the songs, it goes all over the board. It's not, you can't pick like a style. It's, it, there's a couple of real kind of mellow songs and then it goes all over. So it's, yeah. it's really, really good song or album. I was going to say, I was just listening today again to, what is it? A hundred pills or a thousand pills? One of those. Um, pills. And it was one of those songs that I, I kind of just glazed over maybe the first couple of times I listened to the album, but then today it really stood out to me. It was a little bit more, um, you know, mellow or something like that. And it, it's like the second to last track. And I was just like, man, they, they really kind of put it all into this album. They had a little bit of everything here. Yeah, the biggest compliment I can give in a, a, a band, I feel like, or an album is how, how musical this uh, record is. I mean, like it that's the only way I can really put it. Cause like that hundred pills is, is, is beautifully dark, mm-hmm. you know, it's a beautiful 
depressing in the best way possible yeah. song. Like it, it's 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 not like depressing where I don't want to listen to it. Like I'm gonna listen to it again and again. It's just yeah. it's super. The whole album's super musical for sure. I think the parts I I enjoyed the most were the mellow parts. To be honest, I really like that atmosphere that they can uh, they can do with the mellow sections. And I can listen to a whole album of their mellow stuff. To be honest, like if they could just do a full <laughs> album of that, I'd be cool with that. Yeah, that'd be, that that'd be interesting. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really it's dark, but it's uh, it's still maintained. A lot of fullness and interesting yep. stuff. Love the, the band. The vocal, scared to I really like it when he holds off. I do like like he's got a phenomenal voice when he's belting, but his mellow voice is is really good. And uh, and his falsetto is interesting. It's because Randy walked in while I was listening to it, and she thought it was a woman actually. And I was like, no, that's his falsetto. It's just really it's got a unique quality to it. His falsetto still sounds like it's from his chest like it's really strong it's nice. the, yeah. the control is is what i mean anyone's ever had to sing in falsetto the, it, the hardest thing is the control on his control his control is really impressive yeah for sure the, the thing that really stands out with this album is, is probably obviously the vocals i mean i think that that's kind of the first thing that everyone notices about this album is how unique the vocals are and for most of us and and i would put myself here extremely like just impressed by him but has anyone else heard or, or felt anything other than that i mean we kind of talked about like john garcia being like an acquired taste you either love him or you hate him and it, it almost reminded me a little bit about last year's um or maybe it was two years ago the boss keloid album kind of had unique vocals a little bit and I've, I've heard mixed reviews on it where some people just absolutely obsessed with them some people didn't like them and i'm just wondering if anyone had heard about this one being in, in that camp of like, I don't get the vocals, just not my thing. Cause to me they're, they're insanely impressive. I love it. It's my favorite thing about it. But anyone on the fence about that? No. That I've heard. I know when I first, like I said, the first song I heard with them was that was parasite off their first record. Uh, and as soon as I heard him singing that chorus, I, I was floored by, uh, by his vocal ability. So I, yeah. I've always been a fan from the first time I heard him. It's got that grit and just control, and yeah, it's it's really, really, really good. So I, I don't yeah. know. I, I'd be hard pressed to find someone that tells me he sucks. I'd be like, I, I, I bet I, I could. I, I bet I could find somebody that doesn't like him, but <laughs> those people don't like this kind of music, right? Exactly. <laughs> they're, they're like, it's in. I was gonna say, like, I listened to the album again today. I've, I've. Last week when we were supposed to record, I was listening to it. I did it. I had it on repeat. So I, and then I took a break and it's like, the more you listen to it, the more it just really makes sense. And same with the vocals. Like if you really just hearing them the first time, you might not really see the, they're a little jarring. Strength. The first they time. might they're like, little you little might jarring. not quite get it, but like if you keep listening, you're like, and then the songs go on and his vocal range changes and you're like holy shit like this is this is actually really really good same with the guitars and the riffs like the the production like you mentioned ryan it's it's so like pristine but it's almost i i was i was listening today and it almost has like a, a raw sound to it right while not being raw like raw but refined like it's like it, intentionally it, sounds just like really like mean yeah I mean, it's, it's a fine it's line great. 
it's a fine line yeah. in the production world and, and they nailed it i think because you you don't want it to sound you know too produced and too it's not polished like all, you don't want it to sound too polished you don't want you don't want to hear a record and go well that sounds awesome but i bet they can't pull that shit off live like you 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 hear this and it has a very live loud element to it right like it's very loud well that's um, a good question can they pull it off live yes i haven't seen them I, has that, anyone i haven't seen him live but uh first one i heard his vocals i was like i gotta see what this guy looks like because i was picturing the certain the certain person and i looked him up and like there's just they just fit the picture really good and they were performing everything perfectly live with all the passion and everything it was nice. awesome just want to see more. Yeah, if 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 the live show has half the emotion the record has, it's going to be a great show. Yeah, because it's the amount of the amount of motion emotion and like when I heard Parasite, had I just heard Parasite, I'd have thought he's a great vocalist. But when I hear the other stuff, where he shows his dynamic range and his control and not afraid to get slow and, and melodic, uh, I I want that in a live show too. You know, so that that that's. Why they, they were one of the first bands after I heard Parasite. I go, I need you guys at Ripple Fest. <laughs> we're still working on it. The, but, the videos uh, on their uh, Instagram, um, there's some videos there of them playing live, and, and they sound yeah. like they pull it off to me. Nice. Yeah. I've only seen, I've seen those two, and they sound like yeah. they pull it off big time. Three piece or four yeah, piece? Yeah. Now, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't remember. What's that? Uh, three piece, right? Three piece? That's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. I was impressed with the playing across the bar too, not just the vocals. Like the, yeah. the guitar is amazing. Everything was played really well. Yeah. Anything they can improve upon? Anything you'd like to see them do in the future or could do better or differently? Well, he already well, he already mentioned he wants to hear that more the all instrumental, not instrumental, but all melodic. Yeah, you know, all the mellow. I can hear it. A little mellower. Yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, as much as I was impressed by his his scream, um, I really liked that mellow side of his voice a lot yeah maybe he could do an unplugged acoustic blood and strings love to hear that i, I, I think this that. is a band that would would translate well i mean i learned i, I heard a, a saying a long time ago it was actually rick rubin who said if you're if if you write a song and it doesn't if it doesn't translate well to acoustic then throw it away and i was always like bullshit but you know it's rick rubin so i'm gonna listen to it uh and i think though that that speaks true to this band i i, I would love to hear this shit acoustic i think it would, I would too. Awesome. yeah it'd be interesting yeah this, this album would be great acoustic like just the writing on the wall song alone kind of has that acoustic vibe already to it it's like built yeah. in yeah that'd be great i i would be interested to hear that that said i i i kind of like it how it is and I, I i like how it's both loud and soft like i would i agree it would sound cool to have a mellow album but i think what makes this album so strong is that it's not just a mellow it's not Absolutely, just a yeah. harsh it's like it's both so it's like mm -hmm. everything all in, like that's what i that's what i like about it so yeah yeah it's like just keep doing more what they're doing they nailed it on this one they sure did. Yeah, I it's it's one of my favorites I've heard in a very, very long time. And it's so it's very unique. I, I it's hard for me to yeah. think of many bands that have this kind of sound and they they crush it. So and I like anything I else like that we want to say, say about that, it. I like hearing you say that, Ryan, because you and I are a lot we talk a lot about music, obviously, and we kind of hit the same vein a lot when we talk about music. Yeah. And sometimes, not always, but sometimes Doom can get boring, but this 
at no point am I ever bored on this record. So far from it, in fact. Yeah. You can, you can hear the, the odd influence, but it is definitely an original sound. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. yeah. Any final words? Come to San Francisco when I have them come out to play. No, you know I'll be there. Hell yeah. All right. Well, let's uh let's go around and, and if anyone has anything to plug they want to bring up. Uh, Ryan, we'll start with you. All right. Well, I, I have a, a, a release coming out on Ripple Music uh, here very shortly in May. Our, our, I'm not sure exactly when this episode's going to air. but Thursday. Um, Two days from now. Oh, then on April 17th, or shortly thereafter, uh, our our first track from the record will, will debut along with a music video. Awesome. And uh, and then the album comes out May 26th, if memory serves me correctly. That's the one with uh, Blue Heron, right? Yeah, it's a split with yeah. with the good the good gentleman and Blue Heron. Amazing yeah. man, I've heard and I've heard their tracks. I heard the real. the first single that they put out. That was great. I like that one. Yeah, that is a very up and coming band too. They're super talented and incredibly awesome to see live. Such yeah. an entertaining live band. Um, but then. Uh, just in a few, what, three weeks from now, uh, we start our, our longest tour to date. Uh, we're doing six weeks in the UK and Europe with our, our very fortunate to go over with Fatso Jetson uh, for the first about three and a half weeks. And then uh, it morphs into uh, the Rubber Snake Charmers, which is uh, basically, you know, Mario Lolly's like improvisational band with Sean Wheeler. That's an absolute trip. And I know that we'll be jamming with them, improving with them, which is going to be super cool by by that time. And just to sit for me, just sit in a van with uh, for six weeks with guys like Mario Lolly and Sean Wheeler. Uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, stories. I'm going to take a lot of notes. <laughs> I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn as much as I possibly can because that's a brain that uh, it can can. I can pick from and, and learn a lot from that. Yeah, sure. say maybe you should start a podcast. <laughs> well, I'm going to be recording a lot of it. I'm going to be documenting everything for my own like selfishness. Yeah. I want to keep it, but we're hoping to make content out of that too. It'll be, it'll be, it'll be, it'll be rad. Cool. Very cool. Todd, I'm afraid to ask, but uh, what are you up to? What, what is Ripple up to? <laughs> Not much. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm tossing it in after the show. I've reached my high mark, so I'm calling it a day. <laughs> uh, you know, that's, uh, that's my, my life back there, that board. That's my production schedule. So um, it's busy. It's crazy. Um, again, I'm just blessed to have amazing musicians come to me and trust me to put out their music. Um, our schedule is already kind of set into mid-2024 you can believe that because again the eight month wow. final delay but i have some uh amazing things happening on a couple of fronts the obsessed are finishing up the recording of the new record and it is without a doubt the best thing i think they've ever done as a four yes. piece they're just meaner and and more direct it's a it's a fantastic album uh, i have all the hermano reissues coming out which is going to be leading the door to open up a bunch of other stuff that I'll just leave out there like that with other people related to Hermano. Um, <laughs> including, uh, since Bucky mentioned the Blood and Strings acoustic series, uh, I did just record John Garcia, uh, as you know, Ryan, right? And um, there. we're going to be doing uh, 
Yeah, you were there. We're going to be doing a, uh, a Blood and Strings acoustic series uh, release with John Garcia for that. Um, and then I'm really jazzed about the new series of releases I'm doing called Beneath the Desert Floor, which is oh, to yeah. resurrect a lot of the lost music. And guys, send me ideas of what you want because you know, I, I don't know at all. I, I just know. I know nothing. Um, but all the releases from the 90s and the 2000s that came out you know, before vinyl came back, before there was social media, you know, these things came out and then they were gone. And um, there's so much, there's so much good music in there to be reissued. And I like doing it as part of a series. So it kind of, it's not just like a random reissue. It's, hey, the next issue of, of who we are able to find and, and get back out there for you. So um, I probably already have eight to 10 chapters of that series outlined. Um, awesome. So fun we're stuff. Super excited for that because even just on this podcast, we've had a couple episodes dedicated to kind of lost albums from a long time ago, but kind of like walk that stoner rock line and to to hear that there's going to be you know, an unearthing of a lot more music. Uh, I have a feeling that we might be doing a few podcasts on, on a few of those. So that that yeah, that'll be Brian. We will. Send me, send me the names of who you want me to look into. As long as they control their masters, it's all set. Very cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Bucky, I'm sorry, um, sorry, you have to follow that, Bucky. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I, I could kind of segue into that. W one thing I, I didn't mention back to Hail the Void. We, I was gonna mention how sick that limited vinyl edition is and, and get Todd's thoughts on how he thought that turned out that half black splatter like that. Oh, which is the way that turned out is so incredible. Um, fits uh, it's, the, it's, it fits the album. Uh, I'm really glad you said that because on my, besides my board back there, I keep about six notepads with me at all times where I'm keeping notes and ideas. And I had this idea to do this half black, half, you know, milky clear with black splatter. And I wrote it down and I sat around probably for about three months trying to decide what would be the right album to try this effect on. And then the day that I found that folder on my laptop and I listened to the music, I immediately scrawled in half black. This is the one. And I might not ever do that effect again. You know, there was that was the right effect for the right record. Um, I try not to repeat myself too much, and designing the vinyl is one of my funnest aspects of the job. Um, so I may not ever do that again, at least not to the same colors, not to the same way. But for that record, that was earmarked specifically for that effect. Very cool. Yeah, super cool. Uh, I don't know. Uh, sorry, Bucky, if you have anything else, go for it. But uh, I don't know what happened to Chris. Um, if he's around. But... Yeah, well, no. So you get the devil. So speaking of to um, that new series Todd just mentioned, he's putting out. I think that's a great idea. One, vinyl addicts like myself are going to have to buy every single one because when you get a collection, you can't not have every one. And I know you know that. <laughs> and yeah. me, and, unfortunately, we know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like the Brown Acid series that Riding Easy does, and and some of those yeah. 
kind of series. They're just, they're so cool. Yeah. And, and I guess plugs for me, I don't, I mean, I don't do anything. I just listen to music and post about it and try to share what I think's good. And I did just put out uh, my Bandcamp Bonanza article I've been doing on and off with Todd for, I don't know how many years, but my recent one just went up and it's dedicated to lost classics on vinyl that have been reissued to the, to the mainstream. And I, I, I included the sorceress album on there and the ones we talked about. So I don't know if you caught that. Very cool. it, no, I, I, I saw you had posted it, but I didn't really check out the music on it yet. Yeah. So that'll be cool. I'll, I'll have to check that out. Let's go. Cool. Yeah. Me too. I'll so, check it out. Yeah. It's on the ripple effect. So just look up. Yeah. I don't know what you look that, up. But that's how I first got to know Bucky. Yeah. I got first got to know him by him writing for the ripple effect. And he likes to downplay a lot of what he's done in the scene. But uh, I would certainly say that Bucky, Bucky's been a, kind of a right-hand man for me for a large number of years. It's very cool. It's yeah, been I, fun. I take his recommendations very highly. I, I hear a mm-hmm. lot. He said it'll be a lot of good shit. Yeah, I took a year or so off. Like I hardly listened to anything last, I don't know, most of 2022, but I'm back now, and it's good to get back in it. And it's like nothing's changed other than it's like keeps getting more and more and more music that's it's insane like ripple if you if you get are, are any of you guys subscribed to the Bandcamp subscription the five dollar a month like i i feel todd like every i think i texted you like every week a new ripple album has been added to your collection i get the email like another one like holy shit todd's <laughs> todd's on crack this year dude <laughs> it's a it's you've gone into hyperspeed the it's man crazy. doesn't sleep <laughs> If I could say one more thing on Ripple's end before we get to Eddie and Chris, um, because you brought up the band camp. Uh, just last week, we did release the something called Nebula Ripples, which is a compilation. Okay. Yeah, it's a compilation I put together for Tom Davies of Nebula, as you guys know, is battling his cancer. And even though he's not a Ripple band, I, I've always thought of the whole scene as one massive family. Uh, Ryan knows okay. that's the way I think about stuff. And so I wanted anything I could do to help him out. So I wrote him, tossed around the idea, had him specifically say which Ripple bands he likes and he shared stages with and chose those bands to put this compilation together. So, so far it's raised, I haven't checked it today, but it's raised probably close to 1500 bucks for his, his medical care. And uh, I just want to plug that out there. It's on our band camp because every penny is going to go straight to him. There's other than, you know, band camp fees. I'll go straight to him. And there isn't a bigger sweet, isn't a bigger sweetheart, man. We're all pulling for him. So, I, what a freak thing! We I've never met the guy. Last show, oh, he's such a sweetheart. We played like his last that show yeah. in Vegas. We played a show with him, and then that was right. like really two right. days later, he went to the hospital. Yeah, it's such, it's crazy. It's super crazy. But yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you, when I saw you doing that. Tom, yeah. that's so awesome. I I put money and got that immediately, even though I had all those songs already, but the money hadn't gone to somewhere else like that. So it's been good. Thank you. You didn't have all the songs because we have one exclusive from Tom. True, true. Uh, the first song he contributed himself. Yeah, he got me there. Yeah. He got me there. He got me there. Okay. Yeah, and there is a kind, a kind song on there which uh, hasn't been released yet. But uh, yeah, I've not met the guy. I just wanted to help out. He's he's yeah, he's an awesome guy. It's 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 a good cause for a good dude for sure. Cool, uh, Chris. 
What, what are you up to? What's Ox up to? Uh, April's kind of a quiet month. We're uh, writing a lot, um, practicing a lot. Uh, we are going to record two songs at the end of the month uh, that will hopefully come out this summer, just a digital release. And then uh, in May, we've got some a bunch more gigs. We're playing the show with uh, Geezer and a Book of Worms coming up, which is uh, kind of exciting for us. Uh, yeah, lots of stuff on the horizon. Um, the split is still going to be coming out as well. With, I'll give you, I'll, I'll say we have a split coming out, but I won't say too many more details at this point. Right on. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Usual. usual. Uh, tell, and, and look, tell Pat. It's the infamous Randy. Oh, there hey. Randy's around. <laughs> she took a break from just looking in, at and just in time and videos, too. Maybe. <laughs> she, she's yeah. trying on a wedding dress. Some. Oh. I feel bad for him. He's gonna put up sarcasm and all my dirty jokes forever and ever. <laughs> that's a special that's a special gift <laughs> special <laughs> special's the key word for sure oh, <laughs> Eddie what are you up to um, Lord's is moving into a new jazz space now and we're jumping into writing mode full gear to finish off the new album um, The Endless uh, we got a, a show coming up July 22nd has been announced yet, but it's at, at Black Bar at Edmonton, and we're going to the studio in middle of August to record our debut album. Awesome! Yeah, very cool. Excited for that. Yeah, I look forward to hearing that one, man. Oh. All right, that's that. Todd, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I literally can't recommend this album any more uh, than I do. So, thanks everybody. Go check out Hail of Void, and we'll catch you on the next one. Yeah, much love, everybody. Bye. Later.